Hello and welcome to episode 123 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan. I'm one of the co-founders here at ETR. As always, I am joined by fellow co-founder Evan Silva. And today we are going to go team by team. Three NFL franchise talking about important week six takeaways, waiver wire guys, role changes, look ahead a little bit to week seven. Anything else, Evan? Good afternoon. What's going on? Good afternoon. Just looking at the 6-0 and football guys championship team that we put together. Um, gee, we've, got, we've got a bunch of guys who already had their bye. we got Russ coming back from his bye, Alvin Kamara, um, Tyler Lockett. Um, got, of course, we've got Will Fuller, Justin Jackson. Mm-hmm. His bye is, is passed. Chris Carson, his bye is passed. I'm excited. I'm loving this team. we got Clyde Edwards-Hilaire coming off his best game of the year. Um, but, yeah, let's, let's jump into the, uh, the week six takeaways. Uh, injury prone Twitter is melting down over Will Fuller's first six games. I, I don't want to, you know, injury, but I'm not going to victory lap uh, over injury prone Twitter in week six, because obviously, you know, he could get hurt at, at any time, but it's at least off to a good start. And we'll talk about him a little bit more on the AFC pod. Before we get to today's show, have a very special announcement. We actually have a real life sponsor for this podcast. If you can actually believe that someone wants to sponsor this very professional, very well organized show. Um, but seriously, we're only going to work with companies who we really respect. And I think Underdog has some innovative games you guys will enjoy. The concept that they're doing right now, which I think is super interesting, is something they're call- they're calling Battle Royale. It's a combination of DFS and best ball. It's really simple. You draft a six-player roster in a snake draft format, but it's a GPP-style tournament for one week. So the strategy is really interesting. You know, In a six-round draft, you're not going to go really deep into the player pool, but I think there's a lot to think about with stacking and when trying to figure out some off-the-board plays that have a reasonable chance of a spike week because much like regular DFS, you can't just play the optimal and expect to win a large field tournament. So you can get in for $5. First place is 4K. After you deposit, mention on the pop-up that you heard about Underdog on ETR and you'll be eligible for some ETR swag that we'll have an announcement about soon. Again, underdogfantasy.com and make sure to enter promo code ETR after you make a deposit. All right, let's get to it with the NFC, and we'll start with the Arizona Cardinals. The big story last night was Kenyon Drake, and I think the question everybody has, is this the sell-high moment? I mean, everybody from Donks to to Sharps, everybody's like, this is when you have to sell high on Kenyon Drake. He has that 69-yard touchdown run in garbage time. I did notice he played pretty far ahead of Chase Edmonds. Obviously got an incredible game script for Kenyon Drake where they just come out and dominate the Cowboys, but still, Kenyon Drake out-touches Chase Edmonds 20-6. to the other thing you see is in this game where Kyler Murray attempts 24 times, you know, not a lot of passes, but still zero catches on two targets for Kenyon Drake. So what say you, Evan, if you had Kenyon Drake right now, are you selling quote unquote high? Um, I get it. If you would, if you would want to, I mean, I've been on like buying him low for a couple of weeks, not just because and not even playing him in, you know, wanting to play him in DFS, although I did play him on this, on the, uh, on the slates last night. And, you know, that, that paid off big time, especially with the garbage time uh, rushing TD, but in, in season long fantasy, I mean, guys stock like just plummets, you know, within a very small sample. And that happened with Kenyon Drake. So you, I mean, you could get him for a song a couple of weeks ago and then he has, you know, a decent game in uh, week five and, you know, he, he, he like floats you, he play, and then he has like a week winning game this past week. So I can, I could, t- I totally get uh, potentially selling him, but for those that did buy him low, let's look at this, at this upcoming schedule, Seattle, 
Uh, that could be a, an absolute shootout uh, this coming week. Then the Dolphins, they've been getting smashed by the run. Then the Bills, we just saw them get crushed by the run um, on Monday night by uh, the, the Chiefs. Uh, and then the Seahawks again, that's another potential shootout. Uh, the Patriots after that haven't been great against the run. And the Rams have been like a run funnel so far this year. So you, you've got a, a really nice schedule coming up. You've got a player that obviously has this limitation that he's not being used in the passing game. At this point, we cannot expect that to change. But he also plays a position where it's just really hard to get. I mean, so many running backs have gotten injured. You know, running backs have disappointed. Uh, he plays at a very scarce position. Uh, and I think he's an every week RB2 going forward, especially with this schedule in an offense that has been scoring a lot of points. Yeah, uh, my take on the whole sell high thing would be it's all a market. You know, it depends what you can get for him. I'd be willing to sell Kenyon Drake after last night if somebody was falling all over themselves to get him just because I think the pass game role isn't necessarily going to be there the rest of the way. And so you're going to get some duds along the way, even in good matchups. But yeah, it just depends what the market is. I'd be willing to at least listen um, if I had Kenyon Drake in season long. Um, let's go to Atlanta. You know, we talked about it on Sunday morning with Julio Jones on the last minute show. There was just no way to know when this dude, if this dude is playing at 60%, 80%, 100%. We just have like no idea where Julio Jones is at coming into the game because he plays through injury so often, not on the injury report. But then after the game, it comes out, well, he was actually 80%. He was just a decoy. It happens so often. But man, when he's right, as he was on Sunday, what a difference maker Julio Jones is just going nuclear on the Vikings gets the Lions, Panthers, Broncos, Saints, Raiders next. Looked like he came out of the game without setback. What did you see out of Julio and what did you see out of the Atlanta Falcons and kind of their resurrection game at Minnesota? Yeah, it just looked like an absolute monster. And you were all over him as a GPP play last week. A heck of a call. Um, he has been such a difference maker, even in that Dallas game where he went with like two for 24. You know, every game that uh, that Julio Jones has has mostly played. He's played at least 79% of the snaps in three games this year. Matt Ryan has been has had a really big game. He's been the, a top seven fantasy scoring quarterback on the week. Every game where Julio has either barely played or not played at all, Matt Ryan has been a bottom uh, five or a bottom seven fantasy quarterback, quarterback 25 or worse on the week. So whether or not he's producing or he's just out there operating as a decoy, he's a massive difference maker for this offense. Um, and I still think that he's the alpha, although Calvin really had another good game. He's had five uh, really strong games out of six uh, and continues to be an every week wide receiver one uh, in and of himself. The, the Falcons schedule also looks pretty nice uh, coming up. And so, uh, yeah, it looks like Julio uh, escaped without any setbacks, knock on wood. Uh, but this, this offense that, I mean, it was, ooh, it was in a, in a, in a sad state there for a couple of weeks. Um, I think that we can go back to it as one of the best uh, you know, uh, team stacks uh, in all of fantasy going forward. One thing about the way Atlanta's defense is playing, and I don't know if you agree with me, but I think they're playing pretty well against the run and that it forces opponents to pass a lot. And then that starts to speed the game up. And then, you know, Atlanta wants to pass a lot on the other side. So you can get into these wild games. And we've seen a lot of them with Atlanta just because they're playing well against the run and they can't run the football and they want to throw it. So you get these teams throwing back and forth a ton and it just sets up for really good game environments all the time with Atlanta. Let's go to Carolina. Uh, this was a really tough matchup. And I, you know, I struggled for a lot of last week. I didn't want to wait it too much. I didn't want to be like, well, I can't play Mike Davis. I can't play Robbie because they're playing the Bears. Because I don't want to go overboard on matchup. But man, this Bears defense, you know, Mike Davis only 2.9 yards per carry, 
two catches on three targets. Um, the Bears are now in our DVP ratings, are the best in the league uh, once adjusted for opponent against both quarterbacks and wide receivers. So maybe we should have been a little bit more scared with some of these Carolina guys. All that being said, usage was as expected for Carolina, not expecting CMC back until week eight at the earliest Saints, Falcons, Chiefs next. What do you see out of the Panthers? Yeah, everything, <clears throat> like all promising takeaways, with the exception of, of Teddy Bridgewater, but never expected him. I mean, he he was like a low-end, you know, two-quarterback league play last mm-hmm. week. But uh, promising usage out of all the guys. Uh, DJ Moore, uh, season-high 11 targets. Love to see that. Robbie Anderson, I think him coming out of that game against the Bears with 77 yards on five targets, that was a win. Uh, Mike Davis continued to be – he did lose a fumble, but um, – 20 touches again, and it looks like CMC is not coming back this week and maybe not the following week either. Uh, so Mike Davis cleared for RB1 usage uh, for the uh, for the short-term short future. For sure. Okay, speaking of oh, the Bears. I, I wanted to ask you about one thing. Go ahead. Because I think that this is an interesting thing to talk about. So the Panthers have a lot of money invested in Christian McCaffrey. Um and Christian McCaffrey, you know, the, the reason that he was the, one of the main reasons that he was the number one overall fantasy running back last year and uh, was the number one overall pick this year is because, you know, he's like an almost 100 percent usage player. But Mike Davis has performed so admirably that I, I wanted to get your take. Like, could we see McCaffrey come back and be a 70 percent guy and Mike Davis be a 30 percent guy? Um, and that would actually make Christian McCaffrey to me uh, a sell. Yeah, so we've been talking about this when we've been working on the rest of season rankings, and I actually don't think so. I think they come back in and they give Christian McCaffrey the full-time role right away. Like you said, they have too much money uh, committed, and I think the skill, you know, as much as I've joked about Mike Davis, and I think Mike Davis is a great player or a good player, I mean, the gap between McCaffrey and Mike Davis, I think, is pretty sizable. And, you know, like, there's, I, the running back doesn't matter stuff. I think it's a more nuanced conversation. Like, you can't watch Derrick Henry's run uh on Sunday for 94 yard touchdown and say running back doesn't matter you can't watch Christian McCaffrey last year and say running back doesn't matter on individual game basis so that's why coaches I think are to lean towards the guy who is better skilled for all the snaps and yeah I think Christian McCaffrey will be uh despite how Mike Davis has played so so yeah I mean if somebody wants to sell me Christian McCaffrey in season long because they're afraid he's gonna be in a timeshare because he might not be back uh and I had a good team already and I thought I was gonna be in the playoffs I think that'd be a move I would want to make um okay Bears As expected, massive workload for David Montgomery. But even against Carolina, this dude just like can't get it going, man. 19 carries, 58 yards. I will say he did have a touchdown barely overturned by like an inch. Uh, David Montgomery had a touchdown overturned, but 19 carries, 58 yards against Carolina. Did get five more targets. I I mean, the usage is there. It's just this dude cannot make big plays. It it cannot uh, be efficient with his touches, which is really frustrating. Gets the Rams next. What do you see out of Montgomery and the Bears? Same as you. Same thing that we, we saw at a David Montgomery in college where, you know, every time that he would get out in the open field in the big 12, he would get caught from behind um, and he can't rip. He has like zero big play potential uh, at the NFL level, of course. So but I don't think that this usage is going to change. Um, he's been getting a lot of catches to, to float him and hopefully he can start banging in some some goal line touchdowns because that's the only way, way that he can get into the end zone. Uh, is, you know, being like two yards out. Uh, but I, I, he's going to continue to, you know, play 80 plus percent of the snaps. So, I mean, at least he's like a, a volume based RB2. Yep. Uh, I'm sure most people watched the Cowboys game 
last night, the Monday night game. I don't want to put this all on Andy Dalton. Like, don't get me wrong, Andy Dalton was not good. But Gallup had a touchdown just like bang right off his hands. Zeke fumbles twice. I mean, they just got into a bad spot. And I get it. Dalton was not good. And the game script ends up like a Dak game, though. You know, you get behind huge. You throw it 54 times at Andy Dalton. You rack up some garbage time points. Like, I can kind of live with that. But it's still concerning the way that Andy Dalton played. What would you say to people now who have Amari Cooper, who have CeeDee Lamb, who have Michael Gallup, who have Zeke? What did you see out of Dalton last night? And how do you think it'll go going forward? Um, it can only go up from, from last night. Um, it was so, so bad. And you're right, it wasn't all on Dalton. Multiple lost fumbles by Zeke. I thought a lot of the penalties called against Dallas were really, really questionable. Um, the just egregious touchdown drop by Michael Gallup. Um, Andy Dalton drops back to pass, what, 58 times and mm-hmm. scores like, you know, 11 fantasy points. That's that's worrisome. Uh, but I, I do think – I think it'll be interesting to see if they try to go after Ryan Fitzpatrick. If they, yeah. If they try to acquire Ryan Fitzpatrick from the Dolphins, the Dolphins just benched Tua Tagovailoa or just benched Fitzpatrick for Tua. And um, that suggests to me that they might be willing to shop. They've been very, very active uh, on the trade market uh, under this sort of revised regime over the last uh, year and a half. Um, And I wonder if the the Cowboys might go after Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think that would be interesting. But I I do think that Andy Dalton is going to play better than that. But it also just goes to show what a difference maker that Dak was because Dak could have, you know, moved his way out of a lot of those jams that the Cowboys got themselves in uh, from a pass protection standpoint. And the Cardinals did not even have Chandler Jones, Mm -hmm. which, I mean, by far their best pass rusher. That that was scary. Um, You know, again, they're not going to have Tyron Smith or Lyle Collins for the rest of the season, their bookend starting tackles. Uh, Travis Frederick uh, retired before the season. They're, they're uh, longtime stud center. So the offensive line is not going to be good. And, you know, that's something that, that can become, you know, magnified as a problem uh, with a quarterback that lacks mobility. Ryan Fitzpatrick, at least, would, would bring them some mobility. I believe Zach Martin got hurt last night, too, if I'm not mistaken. And so when I when Brandon's uh, rankings come out, and you can find Brandon's rankings in his article, when his new rankings come out, I could see him having Dallas like in the bottom three in the league if Zach Martin's out uh, also. Like this offensive line is like turning into the nut low. So definitely concerning. I'd love to see Ryan Fitzpatrick with Amari and Gallup and CeeDee. That would be uh, awesome to see. You guys know how I feel about Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, let's go to Detroit. People are calling this the DeAndre Swift breakout. And in the box score, it certainly was the DeAndre Swift breakout. Um, the usage was not all that different. Like still only 37% of the snaps, 42% of the running back carries, only a 13% target share. He The big change was he did get three goal line touches. So, you know, I just don't trust Detroit. I don't trust Patricia to be like, let me say Swift played well. He's going to start playing a ton more. I don't know if we see that. But either way, it was good to see. And DeAndre Swift, I think, should have been a trade target for people uh, going into this game. Now it's probably too late. What did you see out of the Lions on Sunday? <clears throat> yeah, DeAndre Swift might be a sell high. As difficult to, to stomach you know, saying that might be, um, only 36% of the snaps. And Kerryon Johnson came off the bye still involved. And Adrian Peterson was heavily involved. So it's still a three-man backfield. Um, they do have – who do they have up, up next – I don't have it in front of me. Um, I know it's a oh they oh they're playing the uh, the Falcons this week. 
Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. that game kind of sets up well for DeAndre Swift because, as you mentioned the, earlier, the Falcons are playing tough run defense, but they're giving up a lot of catches to RBs. So there's another really nice matchup coming up, and I think that game could be a track meet. Um, so Swift is going to be in a, in a good spot uh, in week seven. But um, I, I might listen to some offers because that is still a three-man backfield, and they, they are not showing any signs of moving off of that. One other thing I saw from Detroit was Kenny Galladay, as expected. We talked about it all last week. Comes out of the bye. Looks really healthy. Dude just makes big, big plays and is a huge difference maker, much like Julio for this offense. So good to see on Kenny Galladay. Uh, the Packers. This was funny, man. The Packers are rolling, right? The Packers were up uh, 10-0. Looks like it's going to be a big day for Rodgers, for Devontae, for Aaron Jones. Then Aaron Rodgers does this like triple thrust sex dance in the end zone where he like puts like his his hands behind his head and, and like does a slow motion thrust three times. And after Aaron Rodgers does that thrust, the Packers get outscored 38 to nothing. I mean, they looked like an inept team after that. It was just a total, total, total disaster. Now they do get Houston next week and it's going to be a chance for them to all bounce back. But what did you see out of Rodgers thrusts? What did you see out of the Packers and their kind of meltdown at Tampa? Yeah. And the, the Bucks open last week is uh minus two and a half point favorites and by the end of the week, uh, the line had shifted all the way. The Packers were favored. Um, and I, mean, I was I, I got on the Packers early in the week. And, you know, I, I thought that the, the line was really, you know, moving favorably there. And, and it was. But, man, the outcome, and that was a, a difficult, difficult game to watch from an offense that I think went into the uh, week six leading the NFL in points per game, uh, comes out and scores 10 against Tampa Bay. I think it's a reminder that the Buccaneers defense is, you know, I think they have the best defense in the league. And um, also that I think that – oh, also that something we used to talk about on the feast with Ross Tucker uh, was that teams coming off of buys tend to be like higher variance in their first game back from the buy. You know, guys go home or, you know, they go see their family, they get out of their normal routine, whatever it is, and then they come back and sometimes they play at a really high level. Like the Lions, I think, probably had their best game of the season coming off of their buy. Um Whereas the Packers had by far their worst game of the season coming off of their bye. I think that they're going to bounce back really, really quickly against the Texans. I, I, I'm loving this game, uh, Green Bay against Houston in week seven. So um, I think it's a, a, a prime bounce back spot for the Packers. Yeah. The other thing about when Detroit and Green Bay, I mean, Detroit was playing Jacksonville, right? And if you want to throw more wood on the fire of DeAndre Swift sell high, it would be God. I mean, he did it against Jacksonville and the Packers. You know, you tweeted that you think the Bucs, and I know you said it on here before, that the Bucs are the best teams in the league, and that's who the Packers had to face. So, you know, a lot of this is going to be matchup driven also in small samples. Uh, let's go to the Rams. So after week five, Sean McVay says, we're going to get, we're going to get Kim Akers more work. Uh, we, we like what we see. We're going to get him more work. In week six, Kim Akers plays one snap. Daryl Henderson, 32, Malcolm Brown, 28. And Daryl Henderson looks good, man. Like, uh, I'm not saying that Cam Akers should be playing ahead of Daryl Henderson. I'm just saying that Cam Akers ahead of Malcolm Brown would be cool, or at least not like lying about your running back usage would be cool. I, I hope that by now people have learned that we can't trust anything Sean McVay says. He used to say that Todd Gurley was super healthy last year and can't wait to unleash Todd Gurley and stuff. So this guy just, just doesn't care, which is fine. I don't, you know, you want to lie, it's fine. We just have to be aware of it. But anyways, what do you see out of Daryl Henderson and the Rams in their game? I believe that was a Sunday night game against the 49ers. Really rough game for Jared Goff in the entire passing game. Jason Verrett has been a stud for San Francisco. Great story coming back from, you know, an Achilles tear, an ACL tear. Um, a guy that really just could not stay healthy early in his career has stayed healthy to this point 
with the 49ers who easily could have given up on him um, after last year. They, they got nothing out of him. But um, I, I completely agree with you that Daryl Henderson has by far looked like the Rams' best back. And um, the, the Rams are, are largely treating him like that. Um, I think that Cam Akers is just, you know, a guy that you're you're putting on your season-long bench and stashing and, you know, maybe something happens to uh, to spark him. Maybe Daryl Henderson goes down. Maybe Malcolm Brown goes down. And then it, it becomes, you know, a two-man backfield. And we can use Cam Akers as a flex option. But uh, he's he needs to be planted on the bench for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Okay. Minnesota. Um, and, you know, I have some regrets about this. And I think it was just a mistake uh, by me that I should have been more wary to downside situations on Alexander Madison, i.e., Falcons play tough run defense and Madison may not be their best pass catcher. And that's what happened because Alexander Madison only played 27 snaps and then they get Amir Abdullah out there for 16 snaps. And that really hurt where Madison wasn't the one out there when Kirk Cousins was slinging around in garbage time. It was Abdullah out there. And so that really hurt. And, you know, I mean, we've seen this before, you know, Mike Boone last year was subbing for Dalvin Cook had a fail game. I believe that was week 15. Now Madison has a really good spot on paper and he fails in Dalvin Cook's stead. So you know, I, I definitely have regrets uh, from that. I think it was a mistake. Uh, the other thing we saw was uh, uh, another 13% of targets for Irv Smith, which is promising. Uh, but they're on the bye. Then they get the Packers. Anything on Minnesota as they head into their bye? Yeah, Dalvin Cook expected back after the bye. Um, I don't know. I think he summed it up pretty well. Uh, the, the game script also really worked against Alexander Madison, and that was not expected. I mean, the Vikings, I think – end of the week is four point favorites or four and a half point favorites um, against Atlanta. <clears throat> but, you know, again, the Falcon, the way that the offense has interacted, like the Falcons got back Julio Jones and just exploded against a terrible Vikings offense came out really, really hot. And that absolutely buried Alexander Madison. Uh, in addition to the unexpected usage of, uh, of uh, Amir Abdullah, we talked about Mike Boone potentially playing more, than expected against the Falcons, but it wound up being Amir Abdullah uh, who wound up playing a lot more than we expected. Yeah, it's crazy. I can't believe Amir Abdullah is still in the league. There was a, a preseason run Amir Abdullah had like five or six years ago, at least that made him like a second round pick in fantasy. And he's just done nothing uh, since, but yeah, that was really frustrating. Okay. Uh, the saints, uh, they had their bye. Uh, they'll come out of it in a kind of tasty home spot against the Panthers. I think the question will be how much does Michael Thomas's return a, help Drew Brees, which it obviously does, and B, hurt Alvin Kamara because, you know, the splits when Alvin Kamara, when Michael Thomas doesn't play, are just off the charts in terms of his pass catching. But uh, I don't know. They were on their bye. Anything to say about the Saints before we move on? I want to see how their defense performs because early in the year, they have been um, really good against the run and just atrocious against the pass. Like Marshawn Lattimore has been getting smoked. For, uh, 15 completions allowed on 19 targets, three touchdowns allowed. And this guy historically has been, um, you know, borderline shutdown corner. Um, and uh, their, their pass rushers are getting healthy. Marcus Davenport uh, is getting healthy. And um, they, they have a, a history of starting slow, like starting the season slow under Dun Dennis Allen. I, I want to see, are they going to be the matchup the rest of the way that they were early in the season? Um, so that, that'll be something that I'm keeping my eye on. Okay, the New York Giants. I don't have a lot to say here besides Devontae Freeman's big role. I mean, you know, it's hard to click Devontae Freeman, but he got 100% of the running back carries, 66% of the running back targets. He's playing like 75% of snaps, and he gets the Eagles 
on Thursday on this quick turnaround. I don't know how Devontae Freeman's body feels about a quick turnaround, but the Eagles are so banged up. It's crazy. They have like nobody on offense, which we'll talk about next year. But did you see anything out of the Giants? Kind of another disappointing game for Danny Dimes, Daniel Jones. Yeah, just nothing po- like promising from this passing game beyond, you know, pop-up games from Darius Slayton, Evan Ingram, five targets over the last two weeks. Uh, Philadelphia has been banged up, but primarily on offense. Yeah. I think that their defense uh, might just tee off on on Danny Dimes and this Jason Garrett-led offense on uh, on Thursday night. Yeah, as I said before, I'm refusing to take the L on Danny Dimes because I only have one man to blame, not myself. I, I, it's it's Jason Garrett, so um, is what it is. Uh, okay, Eagles. I mean, we knew about all their injuries, and then they go out and they lose Miles Sanders. They lose Zach Ertz. Goddard's still not back. They lose more offensive line pieces. I mean, I don't even know what they're going to do now. They're literally down to like a JV team. And when I say I was playing pickup basketball against Richard Rodgers six months ago, right before the pandemic, I was playing. I mean, Richard Rodgers is an awesome basketball player. First of all, he was banging threes. He was dunking. I was like, dude, aren't you afraid you're going to get hurt out here? Like he's playing against a bunch of like five, eight white dudes. I was like, dude, he's dude's going hard. But now he's going to be like the starting tight end for the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, it's crazy. They are expected to get Deshaun Jackson back. And then I know you tweeted about it. Kind of a bright spot has been this Travis Fulgham dude. What do you think the Eagles' chances are of getting anything going as they're so banged up as they head into the Giants game on Thursday? I wonder if pulling Zach Ertz out of the offense might actually be a good thing for the offense, considering how inefficient he has been. Carson Wentz has been a top 12 fantasy quarterback now, I think, in four straight games. Uh, A lot of that comes from his rushing. Uh, But, I mean, he's, he's an athletic dude. You know, and now he's, you know, what, a couple of years removed from that ACL tear. When he, be- when he began his career, he was a very productive rusher and he's gotten back to that. So that can kind of stabilize uh, his fantasy usefulness. And then pulling Zach Ertz out, I think actually might help. Travis Fulham, you know, there was a play late in the game <clears throat> where they drew a, a 49-yard pass interference flag against Marcus Peters and Carson Wentz just, I mean, he showed a lot of trust in Travis Fulham on that play because it was just Travis Fulham and Marcus Peters out on an island, a clear 50-50 ball. Um, Travis Fulham didn't pull it down, but they did get that that 50-yard gain off, off the penalty. Uh, and that that play stuck, stuck, stuck out to me um, as Carson Wentz showing trust in Travis Fulham. He's got 26 targets, 16 catches over the last two weeks. I mean, I he might get shadowed by James Bradbury on Thursday night, uh, which would be, you know, a concern, but I think that he's here to stay uh, as the X receiver for the Eagles, which would have been Alshon's position. Yeah, exactly. A lot of people in Philly are saying, even when Alshon comes back, Fulham will remain the starter at X and getting Deshaun Jackson back at the Z, I think will help for sure, at least in terms of Carson Wentz's efficiency. We know quarterbacks just in general have so much better numbers when Deshaun Jackson is on the field. Uh, fans of the 49ers, speaking of injuries, I mean, they lost more people too. Raheem Mostert is now out for at least three weeks. Tevin Coleman, not expected back this week. Jeff Wilson is questionable. It's going to leave Jerry McKinnon. And then the dude that a lot of people are asking about is Jermichael Hasty. Are you interested in adding Hasty off the wire? And what do you see out of San Francisco? Yeah, I think that Hasty is worth adding off the wire. Um, he had what one target and nine rushes for 37 yards. Last week, you mentioned the injuries to Raheem Mostert, Tevin Coleman not due back. Raheem Mostert went on IR again. So he is out for, what, at least three weeks. Yep. And then, you know, Jarek McKinnon has never been, 
you know, the healthiest dude. Um, obviously, we're, we're going to, you know, he's going to be an RB2 slash flex going forward. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that Jamichael Hasty should be added in all like 12 and 14 team leagues off the waiver wire this week. George Kittle is just such a, such an animal. Um, Debo Samuel had six for 66 and one. Um, all six of his catches occurred behind the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, I'd like to see him get more involved in the downfield passing game, but you know, at the same time, like they are manufacturing touches for Debo Samuel and he's back to being an every snap player. Yeah. Good to see on Debo. Uh, Seahawks are coming out of their bye. They'll play at Arizona in that potential shootout on Sunday as Russell Wilson resumes his MVP campaign. I don't really have much to say. I think they come out of the bye, uh, much like before where the big question is how tightly concentrated will the target share be? And that'll be a big question this week as we prepare for the DFS late because Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf are obviously expensive in this spot. Anything on Seattle as they come out of their bye? No, just expect them to be really strong uh, to the end. Um, you know, even if the target distribution doesn't go back to being super, super concentrated up top, I think that we're going to see a lot of big games out of Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. I think Tyler Lockett would be a great buy. You got a uh, buy in, in season long. You got his buy out of the way. You've got two kind of slow games before the buy. Um, and you got a, a passing game that is, you know, just top five easily in the league and a defense that they have to compensate for. That's one of the worst in the league. Yep. Okay. The Tampa Bay Bucks and, and a lot of people are asking about Mike Evans in the three games that Chris Godwin has played this year. Mike Evans has only seen a total of 10 targets. I'm not sure that it's on Godwin. I mean, obviously it helps when Godwin's not out there, you know, Brady's target share is going to go up. But, you know, what people were saying in the preseason was, hey, Brady's not this vertical thrower. He's not as aggressive. He's not a YOLO baller like Jameis, like Fitz. And therefore, it's not great for Mike Evans. And that's kind of been the way that it's played out. I'm curious what you think is going on with Mike Evans. And then we also need to talk about Ronald Jones, who continues to impress. Yeah, well, they only threw they only needed to throw for 166 yards this past game. So no one was really going to have a big game in the passing except for Gronk, I know it's disgusting. Yeah. I know. Um, Leonard Fournette still not healthy. Ronald Jones is is running hot right now. Three straight 100 yard games. Uh, so I think that he's back in in position to be the lead back the rest of the way. Yeah, I mean 16 targets. Also, even though Ronald Jones isn't playing on third downs, he's still seen 16 targets the last three weeks. I mean Tom Brady throws checks down to running backs so often that even just playing first and second down, Ronald Jones is racking up targets. So you know. I think that's good to see. And yeah, I mean, the concerns, you know, when we did the bust podcast uh, and I talked about Godwin being a bust, I mean, people thought I was crazy. It's just, I don't think that people, there's a difference between a good quarterback, NFL quarterback like Tom Brady and a good fantasy quarterback like Jameis Winston and Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I'd much rather have receivers with the latter two guys. And that's why I'd be excited if Fitz ended up signing with Dallas. Uh, Also, that would be really cool. Um, Okay, last one we're going to do here is the Washington football team. Every week, people want the Antonio Gibson breakout to happen it's just hard for me to see it in this offense you know even though they're playing fast in this offense when he's in like an even timeshare last two weeks jd mckissich has out snapped antonio gibson by nine snaps has out targeted him by four and on sunday even peyton barber got back in the mix four carries plus a target for peyton barber so they do get dallas next and i mean this dallas team they're allowing the most points in modern nfl history through six weeks um but yeah, maybe Antonio Gibson breakout happens this week. I could see it against Dallas, but J.D. McKissick for sure is going to play a ton still. What do you think about the Washington football team as they head into their Dallas game? 
Yeah, we talked about it last week, how Antonio Gibson had, you know, came into week six with 17 and 16 touches over his previous two games. But he and J.D. McKissick during that same time span played the exact same number of snaps, 61 snaps a piece. I haven't looked at uh, the exact snap counts yet uh, for this past game against the Giants, but it's clearly a two man backfield there. Um I thought that the usage of Terry McLaurin by Scott Turner, the Red, uh, the Washington OC, was pretty promising this past week. He uh, Terry McLaurin saw 12 targets, went seven for 74. Uh, but most promisingly, he was used uh, in the slot, like the like Washington was trying to get him away from James Bradbury. So always like to see little things like that from play callers. Yeah, I think Scott Turner is sharp and they play fast. They're just lacking talent, Definitely. you know? And so it just it just kind of is what it is. I mean, you're lacking talent at quarterback, at wide receiver two, wide receiver three, at tight end. I mean, offensive line everywhere. So um, it's just hard, but I do like Scott Turner. I agree. Okay, that is going to do it for the team by team NFC podcast. The AFC podcast is behind the paywall. Of course, if you're interested, we have... Uh, a rest of season sale going on right now on the subscribe page with six weeks behind us. You can head to the site to learn more about that. So for Evan, for producer Luke, I am Adam. Good luck, everybody. Mm -hmm.